But we are talking about something that happened uh, yet again in uh, Ferguson. The uh, time perhaps has cooled some tempers. The weather, the rain. The hunt is still on for the shooting suspects and the protest in Ferguson in the past 24 hours did not have one arrest. It was a peaceful protest. People were praying as the rain came down. Tensions cooled overnight in Ferguson. But that was a far cry from 24 hours earlier. And that's when tempers flared. Two police officers took bullets in this suburb of St. Louis, Ferguson. Now, authorities changed tactics in the aftermath of the shootings. The St. Louis County Police said it had assumed, quote, command of the security detail regarding protests together with the Missouri State Highway Patrol. And Ferguson police remain responsible for, quote, routine policing services in the city. Investigators believe they've identified two people they want to question in the shooting. One of them might be the shooter, according to a law enforcement official. But they're also trying to find anyone who may have helped the shooter get away. As of this morning, the St. Louis County Police Spokesman Sergeant Brian Shellman told CNN by email, quote, we never identified two people. Not sure how that came about. No one is in custody. And the reason was they had put, they had taken three people in and questioned them. But that does not mean uh, anybody has been arrested. He was not uh, available for comments further than that. He emailed CNN. Last night, the president appeared on Jimmy Kimmel Live, and he condemned the attack of the officers. He said it shouldn't detract from the main issue. Uh, let's hear what President Obama had to say. Last night, um, very late last night, for you in Washington, D.C., in Ferguson, two police officers were shot, and thank goodness they're... Thankfully, uh, they're okay. They're at home now, and they're out of the hospital. And especially, you gave a beautiful speech in Selma last Saturday talking about these very subjects, about civil rights, the past, the present, the future of civil rights. Is, does that make it especially painful for you when something like this happens? Obviously, we don't yet know what happened. Uh, our thoughts and prayers are with the, the officers and their families, and, and thankfully, as you said, they're going to be okay. Um, what was beautiful about Selma was reminding ourselves that real social change in this country uh, so often has happened because ordinary people are willing in a nonviolent fashion to make their voices heard. And, you know, I think that what had been happening in Ferguson uh, was oppressive and objectionable and was worthy of protest. But there was no excuse for criminal acts. And and whoever fired those shots uh, shouldn't detract from the issue. They're criminals. They need to be arrested. And then what we need to do is to make sure that like-minded good-spirited people on both sides, law enforcement who have a terrifically tough job, and people who understandably don't want to be stopped and harassed just because of their race, that we're able to work together to try to come up with uh, some some good answers. And I think I put together a task force after the original Ferguson event had taken place that had police officers, police chiefs, and some of the organizers of protests both in Ferguson and in New York, young people. And they came up with some terrific recommendations and found that there's a lot of common ground. And what we have to make sure of is is that uh, the folks who disregard and disrespect uh, the other side, people who resort to violence, that they're marginalized. And they set us all back. They do. Yeah. They do. And and but but they're not the majority. And and in the same way that you can't generalize uh, about police officers who do uh, an extraordinarily tough job. Overwhelmingly, they do it professionally. You can't generalize about protesters who, it turns out, 
had some very legitimate grievances. The Justice Department report showed that they were being stopped. Uh, African Americans were being stopped disproportionately, mainly so the city could raise money, uh, even though uh, these were unjust. And uh, I can't imagine how frustrating that must be. I mean, I get crazy, and I'm not joking about par- when I get like like parking tickets right. that I feel feel are unjust, and to be put in a situation like that, I, mean, I do really like <laughs> my wheels are not turned properly, and I feel like they're just trying to make money off of me. It's, they're not obeying the spirit of the law. Well, and, and what was happening in Ferguson was uh, you had uh, city government telling the police department and that stop more people, we need to raise more money. Folks would get stopped, they'd get tickets, then they'd have to wait in line to pay it, take a day off work, folks would lose their jobs. In some cases, they were thrown in jail because they didn't have enough money for the fines. Uh, and then they'd get fined for that. Uh, and, you know, so there was a whole structure there, according to the Justice Department report, that uh, indicated both racism and uh, just a disregard for what law enforcement's supposed to do. And, and as I said before, uh, I said this at Selma, uh, it is not unique, but it's also not the norm. And we've got we've to constantly, when we're thinking about issues of racial progress or any kind of issue, recognize that things get better, but there's still more work to do. And we shouldn't be complacent about uh, the very real existence of problems out there, but we shouldn't despair and think nothing's changed. Uh, if, 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 if people of goodwill, which is the overwhelming majority of Americans, are working together, uh, these are problems we can solve. The President of the United States is here. We'll be right back. And that's what the president had to say on uh, Jimmy Kimmel uh, last night. And that uh, that call uh, yesterday came at that Thursday night prayer uh, vigil. There were clergy, there were others that gathered, and uh, quote, this was a statement from the organizers of that vigil, quote, our hearts go out to the families of the injured officers. Our prayers are with these officers, their families, and every victim of violence in our streets. Now, although the streets were calm, that call for action was not silenced, and it remained the same. Quote, for over 200 days, hundreds of thousands of people across the country have taken the streets to demand change. We must not forget, Ferguson is only one example of an endemic national problem. And many in that vigil returned to the nearby protests. The crowds were much smaller than the night before, and the rain did put a damper on emotions, but no arrests were uh, made. Um, the St. Louis County Police Chief John Belmar, as I mentioned him ripped earlier today, said several people have been very forthright with investigators, but authorities have not released the names of any possible suspects. Quote, we could have buried two police officers. I feel very confident that whoever did this came there for whatever nefarious reason that it uh, was. Um, Now, Arisha Turner said the police banged on a door in the middle of the night. She said she opened the door and stood back. Uh, She said she looked at her chest. There was a red dot on it. She said, I have my hands up. She started crying. I said, please don't shoot me. She was one of three people who were questioned, and they questioned for hours by investigators early yesterday. They eventually were released. Uh, they never saw the shooting, had no idea who opened fire. Um, she believes the, question, the police questioned her because she was in a car of people who sped away after the shooting. Not because they had anything to do with it, but they heard gunshots, and they said, let's get the hell out of here. Um, she said, uh, you know, you know um, but uh, nobody seems to know right now what connection, if any, the shooters um, had to the protest uh, on Wednesday night. The shots rang out from a hill overlooking the station shortly after midnight Wednesday, early yesterday, and at the end of a protest against the Ferguson Police Department. 
There were muzzle flashes seen by officers, and that's about 125 miles away. Uh, yards away, excuse me, not miles. Protesters said they had nothing to do with the shooting, and the demonstrators believe in nonviolence. Uh, the list goes on. Let me ask you some questions and get Brad's take on this, too, uh, and we're going to take a break shortly. One, will the unrest in Ferguson continue until the mayor resigns? That is the latest that they, the people of Ferguson are asking for. Or the police department and court system are changed greatly in Ferguson and in the state of Missouri. Or will this unrest grow regardless, even if the mayor does resign? The Department of Justice clearly shows that racism exists within the Ferguson Police Department and their practices. Now, if the DOJ were to investigate police departments nationwide, do you think they would discover similar findings? Is racial profiling necessary or beneficial? How do we stop the violence? Police shooting unarmed teens of thugs ambush shooting police officers... We're back. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Brad Bannon. Brad, should we take some calls on this? Sure. All right, let's do it. Uh, let's start out with Stacy in Florida, line three. Stacy, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for joining us. Um, your question about should the mayor be um, should the mayor go? Absolutely. Um, through this entire process of the of the incident with Mike Brown, up until. His most recent statements, he's shown himself to be completely clueless about um, the, dy- the, the racial dynamics of what's happening in Ferguson, what's happening in Missouri, and even what's happening nationally. Um, he definitely should go, and I hope that some voter registration um, and some voter turnout happens um, next March during the next election cycle so that there can be some uh, leadership change when it comes to Ferguson. Um, the protests... Uh, these, the, the protests have been happening peacefully in Ferguson for 200 and at least about 220 plus days um, without any incidents. And the only time the average person actually hears about what's happening in Ferguson is when some major tragedy happens, like what happened with the police officers. And I hope that whomever did it is caught and convicted um, to the fullest extent of the law. But that's really the point of what the protests are all about, that um, the disproportionate profiling, the disproportionate force, the disproportionate um, stopping, frisking, sentencing um, of people of color in Ferguson, in Missouri, and throughout the United States is exactly what the Black Lives Matter movement has been about. And it consistently gets lost in these tragedies that keep happening, or it's used as a distraction from the central message. That's that's really the thought that was on my mind when I called. Brad? Well, yeah, Stacey, I think, uh, first of all, I agree with you about the mayor. And to answer one of the questions you raised, uh, ever since the original incident, uh, the NAACP has been in Ferguson uh, conducting voter registration campaigns. Uh, and one of the problems in Ferguson, I believe the, the overwhelming majority of uh, Ferguson residents are Afri- uh, black, but I don't think there's a black police officer on the Ferguson police force. Um, all the city officials are white. And it's up to the black community now uh, to go in there, uh, get registered, and vote so they can, you know, so the the politics reflects the community. Uh, so I, I think 
you're going to see a lot more black vote for obvious reasons. And I think you're going to probably have a big change in the uh, Ferguson City administration and a change that is long overdue, in my opinion. Uh, Stacey, I'm wondering, uh, A, do you agree with that? And B, is the mayor resigning enough? Um, or if the mayor stays in place and they revamp the police department, or does the police department need to be entirely revamped, mayor need to step down, and even then will it stop? Because, you know, the majority of people in these protesters are peaceful, and they did not shoot these officers, but right. somebody did. Well, you, I see it from two angles. The system that has made it possible for the police to act the way that they do, this is not something that's unique to the Ferguson area. It's a national problem with how implicit bias plays a role in how we stop uh, and treat people of color when it comes to um, police justice. But with, with the mayor gone, nothing's really going to change unless the person who stands at the top of the ladder is able to look down at the other people who are working for him or subordinate to him and the citizens who voted for him and create the type of, pop, the type of culture and climate and environment that's going to um, allow us to look at ourselves, how we act when we interact with people who don't look like us how we interact with them, how we charge them, how we treat them, and getting the type of data that shows that we're, that we're practicing fairly, whether it's cameras, whether it's um, reporting practices, um, uh, the type of um, complaints that are, that, are, that, are sent, that are brought in by citizens. There's so many different ways that we can measure how we're doing the work that we're doing, replacing the people at the top. The, poli- the majority of the police are doing their job. They're doing their job well. But they also are operating under biases that are either reinforced by day-to-day interactions with violence and crime. They're operating under biases that are related to how they may have been brought up, the type of environment that they were brought up in. And it's reinforced either through our silence or through being in circles where this type of bias is not discussed on a day-to-day basis. That type of systemic change needs to be both Ferguson-specific and national, a discussion of how this type of how these types of um, um, prejudiced, racist treatments happen from people who are more than likely not racist, who don't see themselves that way, and who aren't operating under that type of mindset, but whose behavior regularly leads to these kind of outcomes. Um, okay, very quickly, Brad, we got to take a break. Uh, Stacy, if you read the. the- Department of Justice report on Ferguson, the racism in the city government was system, uh, systemic. Uh, you know, it wasn't only the police force. The city clerk resigned the other day uh, after uh, her racist emails were revealed in the Justice Department report. Correct. And what they need more than anything, it's a clean sweep, and they also need black police officers that understand the community. Absolutely. If 67% of the population is African-American, you need to have more of a representation of that community when they're the majority of its inhabitants. We'll take a break. Thank you for your call, Stacey. Excellent points. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Brad Bannon. We'll be back after this quick break. If you're holding, hang on. You want to join us? A line is available for you at 8886-LESLIE. Don't go away. We're back. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Brad Bannon. Coast to coast here with you on the only true democracy in talk radio. Brad, let's take some more calls. And we're talking about Ferguson and what will stop uh, the violence. And can the violence stop even if the uh, mayor steps down? Should he? Even if they revamp the police force in Ferguson, should they? 
And do you think this is a problem that's just in Ferguson? What if the DOG, GOJ were to investigate every uh, police department nationwide? Let's go to Mark in Cleveland, Ohio, line four. Mark, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Leslie. Mark Williams here. How are you? Hey, how are you? Hi. Well, thank you. Looking good on Fox News lately. You're looking great. Oh, so thank you. Job. What are you doing in Cleveland? Oh, it's a long story, but let's put it this way. I'd pick a bad time of year to move from California to Cleveland. You moved. You moved from Sacramento. Mark Williams is a talk yeah. show host. He's a conservative. He and I have debated on the air and known each other from Beantown many, many, many years, and we made totally disagree ideologically, but we like each other personally. I well, hope. <laughs> and I'm still a fan. Uh, I, I think that what we're seeing here in Ferguson is not going to stop with Ferguson. I think it's it's only going to stop when when we demilitarize. Well, let's put it this way. As long as we continue to militarize the police and use them as a force against the citizenry, uh, we're going to have this problem. You know, in, in the uh, 1950s and 60s, it may very well be true that the the police department were being used was being used uh, to protect the white power structure, if you would. But something drastic has happened, and it's become them against us. I mean, look what happened in our hometown after the after the marathon bombing. It broke my heart. You had 9,000 militarized cops in the streets of Boston. That was insane. See, we disagree and, there. I, I kind of felt that it was warranted, and, and they got the guy in better than uh, more dead. But that, that's a different discussion. Uh, not yeah. entirely different. But So let me ask you this. You uh, know, there are those out there on your side of the aisle, Mark, that yeah. would say that African Americans are playing the race card. But when you look at the findings of the Department of Justice and that investigation, which, which are very specific, and over 30,000 pages, and that's just in Ferguson. That's a small mm-hmm. suburb of St. Louis. Aren't these cries of racial profiling? Aren't these cries of some kind of scam going on? Aren't these cries of the police being racist uh, warranted and, and, and valid? In some cases, yes. In other cases, no. If you want to talk about Al Sharpton, they're a wonderful source of revenue, uh, if, uh, it, on which you won't pay taxes. Uh, but as a general rule, the cops, aren't outside of those occasions where they pile into armored personnel carriers and invade entire communities, for the most part, they're patrolling where the crime is. I mean, I'm sure you have. I know I've been out on on ride-alongs with cops in a number of different cities across the country, and I've never seen the police, you know, have to hang around and devote their resources in some areas of town while others are, you know, crack cocaine in every corner. You've got to hang out where that's happening, and it's an unfortunate Result, and we'll disagree on this, but it's an unfortunate result of the social welfare system and the, the so-called war on poverty for the last 50 years that's led us to a situation where we've we've destroyed black communities, black institutions, black families, and now there's blowback, and everybody's wondering why. Well, you know, look at what happened. We, we made an entire community dependent on government for its very sustenance. And now that idea is being spread around to all of us so that we all wind up having to pay the piper and, you know, kneel at the at the altar of whomever happens to be sitting in the White House. And this isn't a Barack Obama thing or a Democrat-Republican thing. And don't get me started on the Republican Party. They should all be flogged. But the, well, um, wow, we agree on something. <laughs> we, yeah, 
and I'm willing to, I'm willing to, to flog myself. It, 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 they've been over the years when I was in, involved in the Tea Party and all. My my biggest problem wasn't Obama or or the Democrats or even liberals. It was the Republican Party, which, as you know, they're in California when we successfully uh, get rid of Governor Gray Davis, a Democrat. Uh, all of a sudden, the Republicans, you know, brought us. Kennedy's bearing a grinning Austrian, and <laughs> we were, it was just bad. And well, you know that name recognition thing. I yeah, I th- we definitely agree on that. I, I I honestly think at the end of the day, the state would have been equally uh, bad or better under Gray yeah. Davis than it would have been under a guy who had no experience politically and and running a budget whatsoever. Yeah, and what what what. what we're seeing evolve here. We've seen this happen throughout human history, throughout civilized history. Is the civil authority is evolving from maintaining civil order into one of being a force used to protect the status quo. Those who are already uh, those who are already at the top of the food chain politically. Uh, I mean, leave aside the political differences. John Kerry crying about global warming. While he's flying around in private jets and has a private yacht, uh, that's kind of he's, he's feeling those babies with something. So I, we've we've got two classes of people now. We've got the upper tier, which has its hands on the levers of power, and we've got the rest of us who are drone bees. And this is going to become a, a greater divide. And I, it frustrates me that conservatives in particular don't see how this is evolving. It doesn't take a great deal of historical literacy to see the parallels in what's going on now here and what's gone on as recently as the old Soviet Union in the 1980s and 90s. I want Brad Brad to weigh in. Well, you've said a lot, Mark. I can't believe we've actually agreed like three times in a conversation. I I think I need to start taking some chemicals. Um, um, Therapy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Brad, uh, what's your take? Well, uh, first, yeah, first of all, again, you know, looking at the Department of Justice report, if you read the Justice Department report, they reprinted verbatim uh, some of the emails uh, they found on the city government uh, servers. We were talking about emails and servers in our two. Uh, but if you look at the emails that uh, they, the DOJ found on the servers and published, some of them are vile and racial. And we're talking about police officers and city officials here. And as I said to the last caller, the city clerk had to resign yesterday or the day before uh, because the her emails were printed that were in the uh, Department of Justice report, and they were vile and racist. Uh, the other thing I want to say, I want to disagree with you on something. The war on poverty did not uh, destroy the black family structure. The black family structure was destroyed even before the United States of America came into existence by slavery uh, when they started uh, selling uh, the children of slaves across state lines. And I would not at all blame the war on poverty for that. Uh, the way we're poverty, buying and selling Mexicans now. I think, again, the black family structure was re- was destroyed long before the war of poverty started, and the war in poverty is an effort to repair something that was already fundamentally broken, and it was so broken it wasn't going to change easily or in a short period of time. 
So we're trading uh, one form of forced dependency with another form of forced dependency. Well, I, dis- I, I disagree. I think anybody who compares government programs to feed small children with slavery is has real problems. It, it may be. Uh, but, again, uh, I'd love to, well, as much as I would love to debate, uh, you know, century and a half between the, the Civil War and uh, and today, the fact of the matter is what we're seeing is our government out of control, behaving as if it were a totalitarian state, and it's only going to get worse. I mean, is well, there any reason you know, why officer friendly should have an armored you know, personnel carrier? complain about welfare all the time, you know, and mainly they're referring to black people, but no one ever complains, or very few people complains about corporate welfare. Every year, the United States gives oil companies $6 billion dollars. Six billion. Uh, there's an, they hand because out another some, there's something in it for the people in control. Get it? And if people like you and I complain, then Officer Friendly is going to show up in his his, his, his tank and, and make sure that. Okay, guys, we got to take a break. We got to take a break. I'm trying to let. I'm sitting back and let the testosterone go crazy, but. You're talking over each other. Mark, I love you. Call me back. I didn't know you were in Cleveland. Email me. Let me know what's going on. The long story. Um, Love you much, buddy. Even though a lot of my people on the left hate you. (laughs) We'll be back. Brad Bannon and I. I'm Leslie Marshall. Don't go away. And we're back. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Brad Bannon. Let's take some more calls, Brad. How's that sound? Okay. Do you know Mark, by the way, who we just talked to? Do you know him from Boston? Uh, No, I don't. No. Okay. Uh, Anyway, let's go to to, uh, Bernadine in New Mexico. Bernadine, good afternoon. Hi, Leslie. Um, thank you so much for talking about these issues. All the years that I've lived in the country, I've never called in uh, to this day. First of all, I want to say that I do think that the mayor should resign in Ferguson because at the helm of, of the institutionalized racism that's going on there, he has to take responsibility for that. Um, secondly, the gentleman who said that um, he thinks that institutionalized racism is the reason that African-Americans are in the situation that um, we find ourselves in today, I agree with him. Um, I disagree with the caller who said that it goes back to slavery. If you take it back to slavery, then you nullify all of the advances that African-Americans have made and all of the different times that different legislation has moved us back. For an example, in 2011, uh, my family in particular, my immediate family, my siblings and my children who are adults all lost their jobs in the same year. You know, when the when the economic crisis was getting tight, we were the first to go. Uh, no, 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 no prison, no, you know, none of the statistics, but educated people who have been working for years and have worked very, very hard. And so I think that Institutionalized racism has set back African Americans many times throughout history, and sometimes when we go back to slavery, we forget about all of that, all of the gains that were made, and all of the, you know, the back the setbacks that African Americans have had. Brad. Brad. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Brad. Um, uh, yeah, well, she's, again, she's speaking about the setbacks of slavery that you were talking about. So I wanted you to respond. Yeah, I think there are a systematic uh, racist.
racism problems in this country. I honestly think the situation is getting better, uh, but we still have a long way to go. Okay. Uh, anything else uh, from uh, Bernadine, our, our, our caller, regarding this? Well, yes, I would, I would agree with that, but I, I do believe that the racism is the reason that the African Americans haven't gone farther than they have because of the fact that. Um, thank you so much. All right, thank you. Uh, is uh, let's see, Paul in Washington, line two's next. Paul, good afternoon. Hi, Leslie. Now, let me say hi to Brad. How you doing, Brad? Hi. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing good. Boy, Leslie, uh, I must say, uh, I love you, but uh, your friend Mark, I think, is full of crap. So, uh, you know, this guy is the, it's the same old tired thing. The, the social welfare programs, I must agree with the last caller. The social welfare programs have not destroyed the African-American community. It is current-day racism, and you know you can find this well-documented in a book called The Origin. Well, wait a minute, of the Paul. Urban... Is it? I think it's racism, but is it current-day? I do agree with Brad that there's been a problem not only with racism but uh, with with the community. Um, you know, since racism and, and prior to coming to the United States, even. I'm not denying that. I'm saying that like the last caller said that that was a part of it. But you know, people like your friend Mark who, who think that. Racism went away once the Southern Confederacy was defeated and we had the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments to the Constitution. Wrong. It still exists, and I was going to say, the book by Thomas Sugru called Origins of the Urban Crisis, talk about, and I mean modern-day racism that starts through after the, the Second World War and continues on in uh, the cities today. And, and so, I mean, I won't go through it. He documents that very well. It still goes on. So it is racist. And it's not something, you know, we hear on the right wing that, uh, that uh, all of this racism is just, it's fiction. It's just a story that, that uh, African Americans have been told as if their perceptions uh, are, are completely way off. And there's no, there's no you know, it's, let me get to some of the questions, too, that you asked. First of all, uh, I don't want the mayor of Ferguson to resign. One reason is I want the people of Ferguson to have an impetus to go out and vote and have the satisfaction of throwing his butt out, number one. And so he'll still be there to, for them to have, uh, let me not use the T word, for them to have something to focus upon so that they can throw somebody out and feel the power that they can have when they register to vote and they get voted, because they really should be running their own community. Uh, you know, we hear about the outrage of these officers being shot. How much do we hear? Remember when uh, Clive and Bundy had his... his uh, his cronies uh, pointing weapons at federal marshals. And later, two of those people murdered two police officers in a coffee shop and then two people in a Walmart. You never heard anything about that. Yeah, that was in Las Vegas, I think, right, Paul? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and, and it's like, well, so we don't even know. We don't know even the racial identity of, of who fired these shots at these officers. We, we, we presume, people presume right away that it must have been black people because black people were protesting in Ferguson. So it must have been. That's a great point. I think knows. Michael in the Bronx, who's coming up, he had touched upon that uh, yesterday. And, and Brad, uh, you know, also we talked about it with Nicholas Wapshot that nobody in police enforcement, nobody until there's an arrest made, should make any kind of an assumption. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I sort of, uh, personally, I think I, I, I understand what, what you're saying about the, the people of Ferguson, you know, themselves having the opportunity to kick the mayor's butt. I think there's 
you know, some truth in that. And part of the problem has been, uh, honestly, that, you know, black people haven't participated, haven't voted in Ferguson elections. But they will this time. And as I said before, the NAACP is doing everything they can as we speak to a register as uh, many uh, residents of Ferguson as possible. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think you're going to have a clean, in the next election, you're going to have a clean sweep. Uh, you're going to have a city government uh, that is representative of both the black population and the white population in Ferguson. Uh, right now, you just basically have a city government that represents the white residents, uh, and that shouldn't happen in democracy. And I think you're going to see a big change in a clean sleep. And, uh, yeah, I think it would give the beast a good thing if we accomplished it for election, because that's what a democracy is supposed to do. All right, Paul, anything else? thing we hear is is that Barack Obama is fueling racial has benefited politically by fueling racial polarization. This is what I hear on the right wing uh, right wing talk radio. And how has he done that? Or evidence of that? He won the election in 2012, but not with a majority of the white vote. See, because it's not Americans. Because see, what happened is that African Americans came out in 2012 and voted for Barack Obama. And that's the only reason that he's the president, because he didn't win the white vote, which would have made him apparently a legitimate president. But when just American people vote, when African-American, Latinos, Asian people vote, that doesn't count enough for Barack Obama to be the legitimate president of the United States, because it wasn't a white majority. This country is so messed up with that, it, just, it makes you sick, it makes you want to throw up. Well, you're right. Millions, millions of white people uh, helped elect Barack Obama president. There are a lot more white voters in this country than there are black or Latino voters. And that's absolutely right. Barack Obama is the president of the United States, and he's been elected twice uh, because he's got, you know, millions of white Americans uh, who believe that uh, he's the right guy to lead the nation. And, and they're right. All right, thank you. Very quickly, one sentence or less, Michael in the Bronx. Uh, next time you have this discussion, Leslie, can we focus more on Rudy Giuliani's rhetoric? Because if there's anybody that is engaged in the race baiting and defining this nation, it's that guy with his malicious, um, malicious statements towards not just President Obama, but towards African Americans, and I ought to know, having put up with his crap for eight years right here in New York City when he was mayor, to be continued. All right. You heard it. Brad, thank you for joining us, buddy. Have a great weekend. I'm Leslie Marshall. Everybody else, have a great weekend. Marky Marcamaldi, Andrew Tomedy, my great producers, you guys as well. This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery.